Welcome to Recovering Gleek, a podcast for all of your complicated feelings about the TV show Glee. Pulled apart by feelings so raw, voices shout so loud can't ignore. Used to think I knew what I wanted. I'm high enough from all the high pressure. I just want to make myself mini on Sunday, Monday, whoa. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 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 Oh. Thank you from front of the podcast, Taylor from Ireland, for suggesting that yeah, Taylor. What song was that? Give us a rant. How Can I Not Know What I Need Right Now by Charlie XCX. <laughs> I am such a fan of titles of things that are far too long. Someone that said, Me I too. want the title of this piece of media to be longer than the piece of media itself. Yeah. That's why I'm such a big fan of like Fall Out Boy and What stuff. are their titles? I don't know Fall Out Boy very well. Like it's to the point where like I know like probably every Fall Out Boy song, at least like I've heard it, uh, you know, many times. Mm-hmm. That fits your brand. Um, but I could never tell you the names. A little less 16 candles, comma, a little more touch me. Or our lawyer made us change the name of this song. I don't know the rest of it because it's too dang long. I slept with someone in Fall Out Boy and all I got was this t-shirt. I've got a dark alley and a bad idea that says that you should shut your mouth. Our lawyer made us change the name of this song so we wouldn't get sued is the funniest Song yeah. title of all time. Wow, honestly, yeah. am I a fan of Fall Out Boy now? Not that I was like, didn't like <laughs> Fall Out Boy. I just like wasn't familiar with them. But yeah. that is funny. Yeah. yeah, I think a bunch of like uh, pop punk bands were doing it in like 2007. So mm. maybe you just like really dig that brand of pop I punk. Yes. One of my favorites. I know I do. One of my favorites is Do You Remember? Academy Award nominated the movie Precious that came out in 2009. I was obsessed with that Academy Awards Uh because if you didn't know, the movie Precious is based on the novel Push by Sapphire. And they made sure you knew that because Sapphire (laughs) negotiated that contract so that legally they had to call the movie Precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire. And... Mm -hmm. I, like you said, I respect it. Like, if I freaking wrote a book that became an Academy Award nominated movie, I would want everyone to know that I wrote that book. But it was just <laughs> so funny to hear that because it was nominated. It was nominated for like everything and just consistently mm-hmm. seeing people be like, and precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Comedy gold. Mm-hmm. Comedy gold. I think we should call absolutely everything <laughs> based on another piece of media. That yeah, I agree. Recovering Gleek based on the TV show Glee by Ryan Murphy. That's the new title of this yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Created by Ian Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. My name is Ian Allred based on Eileen and Ted Allred by... Uh, should I say all of my grandparents' names? This feels like identity theft. Maybe not. Happen. So like I think that's public record. No, somewhere. I'm sure if you like really tried to find it, you could. Um, it just feels a little. Um, yeah. Dang, what am I based on? Now I need this joke to land. Hi, hey everyone. My name is Ian Allred, based on the 
novel pushed by South. <laughs> Should I just scrap this whole bit? Hey, everyone. My name Honestly, is I Ian like Allred and I'm an original. I'm <laughs> I'm the first of my kind. I'm unique. I'm unlike mm-hmm. anyone who has ever lived ever before. And I'm a Gleek. I'm a mini Gleek. I think I might have just said Gleek. I'm a mini Gleek. Hey, you guys. What is up? My name is Lena Stormborn of House Targaryen, first mm-hmm. of her name, Queen of the mm-hmm. Andals, and the, and the first men, protector of the mm-hmm. Seven Realms, the Mother of Dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburnt, and the Breaker of Chains. And I'm a mini Gleek. Do you have a favorite rom-com? Do I have a favorite I rom-com? What is yours? Um, hello. It's uh freaking you've got mail. Oh, I did know that. I knew that. Best rom com ever. Or thirteen going on thirty. That's a good one. <coughs> Hear that? Those are the sounds of COVID. Our new Aye. ASMR podcast, Sounds of COVID. Oh, I haven't mentioned ASMR. that on the mini sode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you like to mention okay. it? Okay. Um, how can we make this segue work? Um but you know, maybe I'll have time. I can ask you how you well, are. I, I wait. That okay. makes a lot of sense. But I have an idea that I'm <laughs> going to try okay, out. Okay, cool. Better. So, Better. you know, I don't know what my favorite rom-com is. But maybe <laughs> I'll figure it out this weekend because I have plenty of time to watch them since I have COVID. How is that? Let's try this one. Ask me how Good. I am. How are you, Ian? Um, I'm pretty good. I've been better. I have COVID. Uh, fans, <laughs> vote in the comments. <laughs> Which one was better? Honestly, your transition was pretty good. I really liked Thank it. I think you. I'm going to vote for yours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I have COVID, everyone. Fun times at Ridgemont High. Um, so, if you went to see Friends the Musical last weekend, which I know at least one listener of this podcast did, I was not in it because I had COVID. And genuinely... I'm so sorry. Like, I, yeah, I'm I'm just very sorry if you, like, came to support. I would have loved to have seen you. I'm so sorry you couldn't see me in the show. You know, pandemic suck, man. Yeah, absolutely. Shoot. Well, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready to get it in this minisode? Let's do it. Yeah. I before we start, you guys, I just want to give a quick TW. This is about uh, this is about Gleese, and this is about like all the contents that uh, Gleese involves. Um, and I also just want to give a quick like thank you to everyone who reached out to us and sent us their thoughts on the on the episode and their thoughts on our ep- our episode. Um. Lots of people like being incredibly open and vulnerable with us and incredibly brave and sharing their stories with us. Um, I I was frankly overwhelmed with emotion the entire week. Every time we would get an email and I would like see how open and, uh, you know, awesome you guys are and like how oh my gosh so many people are talking about their own recovery like oh my gosh it was overwhelming it was one of the coolest experiences ever um so I just wanted to thank everyone who sent us a message I like I I can't tell you what it means to me to hear from all of you for real yeah with that being said let's get into this mini-sode 
Shall we? Heck yeah. H yeah. Um, up first, we have a message from Rachel. Hi, Lena and Ian. I feel a little self-conscious writing this because of how far out from the Glee target audience I am. But I've been talking out loud to you alone in my backyard for the last six months, so I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm a Gen Xer, 40-something rando, who is busy raising young kids when Glee came on the air. Yes, I'm old enough to be your mother, but maybe you can think of me as your weird aunt, okay? And I never saw an episode until last fall. It was the emptiness and isolation that I was experiencing because of the pandemic that got me to finally try something new, which turned out to be watching Glee. Midway through my first run of the series, yes, there have been several, and yes, I bought the series after it disappeared from Netflix and Prime, and having no one to talk to about it, I found your podcast. Honestly, it has been a saving grace for me. This has been a rough pandemic for me, many of my relationships have suffered, and I desperately needed something to care about that wasn't related to the things that were depressing me, and something to take me away from the feeling of being unloved and an outsider. That's probably why, 30 years after I was in my own high school show choir, I still related so strongly to the Glee characters, specifically Tina and Kurt, and why I became so attached to these Glee kids in their stories. But listening to your podcast, okay, honestly, constantly listening to your podcast, it took me just a few weeks to listen to the whole thing and catch up, was like medicine for me. You guys are so funny and so kind, and I desperately needed humor and kindness in my life. Your podcast, plus the rabbit hole of other TV and musical obsessions that stemmed from Glee, has been more important to my own mental well-being this year than I can put into words, and I can't thank you enough for that. Okay, so on to Glee's. Ugh. I, too, am horrified by the show's treatment of disordered eating, and not just in this episode. One thing that especially bothers me, being an overweight mother myself, is the depiction of Marley's mom. Why couldn't the writers have made her be more self-aware, encouraging, and positive? Instead, she just perpetuated all of the worst lessons bullies teach kids. In the first episode of season four, she tells Marley, it's all about being special, but the right kind of special, not goodwill clothes, daughter of the lunch lady special. Boy, as a mother, I can't imagine saying anything other than, you are incredibly special already, and I promise you the right kids will see that no matter what you are wearing. Even if she still sewed in those J. Crew tags, couldn't she have at least acknowledged that it is wrong to define your worth by something so superficial? Of all people, you'd think someone who is constantly judged by her looks would be trying really hard to teach her daughter how valuable she is regardless of outward appearances. It just really frustrates me because there was an opportunity to show an obese character to be wise and admirable, and instead she just comes off as another foolish stereotype. Ugh. Lena, you said you don't have anything to say that would make a kid listening feel any better, and I just want to beg to differ. The beautiful, heartfelt, and honest words that you said on this episode say volumes. If I were a kid feeling punched in the face by this episode, it would mean so much to me to hear you say that it hurt you too. And the fact that you are willing to share that with us, even when it does make you emotional, says a lot to us listeners. You are giving people permission to feel what they feel and to not be ashamed of their feelings, and you might be helping people see that something is wrong there when they couldn't see it themselves. That is huge. On a less serious note, I want you to know, Lena, that I just imparted some of your wisdom on my teenage daughter. She was trying to get rid of a zit this morning, and I gave her your suggestion of just adding glitter to it. So, and Ian, I'm super excited to see you play Chandler Bing when I make it to the city in the next few months. Both of you keep being the amazing, insightful, kind people that you are and know that your positive influence is reaching farther than you think it is. 
I bet I'm not the only unlikely Glee fan that is getting something out of it. Wishing you all the best, Weird Auntie Rachel. Weird Auntie Rachel. I can't tell you how much this message means to me. Like, at at all, there's no way I can put it into words how much uh, this message means to me. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's, I can't, I don't even know. Like... Yeah, a big a big theme in this week's emails is yeah. <laughs> everyone is very insightful yeah. and has a lot of amazing things to say. Yeah. Also things that are so well thought out and so well said that we can't really add to them by commenting. Totally. Absolutely. I'm just so happy to have you listening, Rachel. This message means a lot to me and I absolutely agree with everything you have to say. So thank you so much for it. Proud to be um, your weird nephew and niece. For real. For real. <laughs> we are your weird nephew and niece forever. We are the weird nephew and niece at the, the family party, though. That is the truth. Um, see you at the family reunion, Rachel. Um, up next, we have a message from Madeline. Fellow Gleeks, I'm writing in about the fin of it all and how it's so frustrating that we have this character who seems to learn the same lessons over and over again, have a big explosive outburst and say something that hits way below the belt, the person gets very upset, he apologizes, then business as usual. This is now the third time that he has done something like this in four seasons. And while I know it's just a failing on the writer's part, I feel like this is a quality that I see in ableist cishet white men a lot who want to appear woke for the clout without actually doing any of the legwork to be a good ally. Finn is a natural leader and seemingly wants to utilize his privilege as an able-bodied cishet white man to advocate for marginalized people who aren't able to speak up for themselves with the weight that he can. But time and time again, he has these outbursts that show that while he knows he should be an ally to women, people with disabilities, the LGBTQ plus community, etc., he doesn't really understand what that means or the significance of it. He knows you're not supposed to say the R slur, but it seems he doesn't understand why it's hate speech, hence why he uses the R slur again when he apologizes to Sue. And Sue tells him that he has hate in his heart, and he's like, well, I apologize, so F you if you don't want to forgive me. It's childish, it's toxic, and it's just showing us that his allyship is purely performative because he wants everyone to see him as a hero. He really is a little Will Schuster. Frankly, I feel like it is insulting to Finn's character when the writers give him so much growth, only to go back and have him do something like this. Like, for fuck's sake, let this man have an arc. It completely erases all of the progress that he has made as a character because it just reads as insincere. Watching season four breaks my heart because it's so clear that they had an arc in mind for Finn that would have a big payoff in season five that never happened. You're both so amazing. Ian, I cried in my car when you shared that you got your off-Broadway debut. And Lena, I want to fist fight Ryan Murphy for making you cry. (laughs) All the love, Madeline, she, her. Madeline, I, again, like with what Ian said, there is nothing I can add to this because it is like so perfectly stated. Um... And I just think like, especially allyship, like it's one of those things that like takes like, I mean, a lot of work, obviously. And we see Finn do these things every once in a while where he's like an advocate for someone and then show the hate in his heart. Like, I just completely agree with everything you have to say. Like, it is um, insulting to 
to Finn's character. And like, if I knew a person like this, frankly, who was like the leader of my club and like, you know, once a year would like have a huge outburst and call someone a slur, I'd be like, let's not have them be the leader of the club. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why aren't they learning from this? So why are we letting this slide with Finn? So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Madeline. Yeah, absolutely. Up next, we have a message from Story. Hello, LPC and Ian. LPC never, ever, ever apologized for getting emotional about anything, let alone the butchering of eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and fat phobia in this godforsaken episode. I agree with you completely. The problem with the Marlitti plot isn't that Kitty is being evil. Kitty is a villain and that's okay. However, the disordered eating plot at large has absolutely no interest in unpacking the root of fat phobia. The solution for Marley's disordered eating is just, a boy thinks you're cute, so it's okay, which is such a horrifically common way for these kinds of plots to end. The moral is almost always, you actually are thin and or a boy likes you, so don't worry about it. The problem is partic- That problem is particularly evident in this episode because Kitty is actively trying to drive Marley towards an eating disorder by altering her costumes, insulting her and her mom, and instructing her on exactly how to vomit. The problem with having Kitty as such an explicit villain in this plot isn't that Kitty is doing important things. The problem is that the episode, whether they meant to or not, ends up coming across like the moral is, if you're thin and pretty, then you would only have an eating disorder if someone practically forced you to have one, and the solution is just to have a boy be attracted to you. However, if you actually are fat, well, we don't really give a shit. You probably did do something wrong, and we'll never talk about your potentially disordered eating again. Marley's mom tells Marley that they're going to go on a strict diet together, which, you know, is unfortunately very accurate for mothers with internalized fat phobia to do with their daughters. I'm not saying I'm speaking from experience, but I'm not not saying I'm speaking from experience. But the episode never comes back around to that. Is Marley's mom still on this strict diet? Does Marley's mom just now have disordered eating behind the scenes? But, you know... Do we really care anyway because Marley's mom is fat because she started eating and just never stopped after Marley was born, so it's her fault and Marley has to work to keep the body she has? Can you tell I hate that little exchange a lot? If Gleese really wanted to explore the relationship between a fat mother with internalized fat phobia and a thin teenage daughter who has absorbed that fat phobia and now fears turning into her mother, then they can do that. But they clearly have no interest in the actual complexities and emotional fallout of that situation. Ugh. Okay, I know this email is going to be so long, but I also have to talk about Finn because we've officially reached the point where, I'm sorry LPC, I don't like Finn. I totally agree with Ian that Gleese just wants to use little one-off actions from Finn to propel the plot forward and then forget about them, whether or not they fit in character. But I'm just going to take a moment and consider Finn as the character on the page. Finn calls Kurt the F-slur, but Kurt was... But Kurt had been pushing against his boundaries and Finn was angry and at the end of the day, Finn is confronted about his behavior and learns his lesson about why it was all wrong. We all move on. Finn publicly outs Santana, but Santana had been ruthlessly bullying him and Finn was angry and at the end of the day, Finn wasn't the one who made the commercial and he works to make sure Santana's okay in his own way. We all move on. Finn calls Sue's infant child a slur, but Sue was being super transphobic and Finn was angry and at the end of the day, Finn tried to apologize and Sue was just evil because she won't immediately forgive him. We all move on. Honestly, I think Sue is right. Finn does have hate in his heart. Most of the time, Finn is sensitive and sweet. He's a good boyfriend and a good friend. 
but get him too angry and he'll throw things, kick chairs, sling slurs. And if, in the aftermath, someone dares to not immediately forgive his transgression, then to Finn, they're just being unreasonable because he apologized and that's that. And over time, his contrition has been getting less and less genuine. It's less severe, but Finn was literally telling Rachel moments before that they should still be able to act like friends, but then he finds out she's interested in another boy, becomes jealous, becomes angry, and he lashes out again. Finn is a teenage boy. He just graduated high school. He still has time in his life to learn and grow. But the kind of teenage boy who uses slurs and physical violence when he's mad, even when he knows they're wrong because he can't control himself, is not the kind of teenage boy I trust. So that's just my thoughts on Finn. Assassinated by the Gleese writers? Certainly. But a character I can keep rooting for? Unfortunately, no. I can't believe it took me weeks to subscribe to your Patreon. I don't know what I was waiting for. I'm so excited you have one. Forever Recovering Gleek. Story, she, her. Oh no, it says Forever Recovering Gleek. (laughs) Story, why? Forever Recovering (laughs) Gleek. Gross. Here is my toxic trait. And I, you what know, I think this is a trait I share with like not an insignificant number of Glee watchers. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it stems from Corey Monteith as mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. I like so agree <laughs> with all of the criticisms of Finn. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm like, and if Finn was a real person, this is definitely a big problem. Mm hmm. And, you know, I think it does show evidence of him having hate in his heart. And I think it shows Mm -hmm. a lot of evidence of him talking a big talk, but not walking the walk. And I completely agree with all of that. And maybe it's just Corey Monty's charm. But I also do think that so many of these characters are written so inconsistently. Mm -hmm. I agree. That I just like in the same way that Blaine fully cheated on Kurt. And I was like, this pisses me off, but it pisses me off mostly at the writers and not Blaine. I'm like, this stuff pisses me off more at the writers than Finn because I'm like, and I don't know, you are so right story. It's happened three times now. So at this point it is kind of like, you know, once Blaine cheats a third time, maybe it is Blaine is a cheater and not that the uh, Glee writers made him have an out of character moment. No, totally. But when someone's a fictional character, I mean, I think in I think in real life, it is very important to not overlook things that people do and hold them accountable. But when someone is a fictional character on a show that is as consistently written as Glee, I do have the problem of being like, but I just like this actor and I like their portrayal. So I, know. I don't know. <laughs> totally, totally. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, like we have fully gotten like straight up bad reviews on this podcast because of like especially the way we talked about Finn in like season one and season two um and they would reference this moment and I think that criticism is completely valid and um you know and you know that criticism of Finn and is completely valid and I don't know you know but I agree it's maybe just because I love Corey Monteith so much Mm -hmm. I just think he is just an awesome person I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But that being said, uh, I do think all of this Finn criticism is completely warranted. (laughs) And like an outburst where you like kick a chair because you're 15 and your girlfriend that you've never had sex with just told you that she's somehow somehow pregnant with your baby. 
Yeah. That I can understand. But now yeah. he, I mean, he's like legally an adult, but he's still a teenager. But like yeah. these outbursts now, it's like, let's have moved past this. Why is this yeah. still happening? Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Also, with what you say, story about um, Marley's mom, I absolutely agree. Like, and also, I hadn't even thought about it in the sense of like, this is so something that like, especially, and I'm sure like, you know, uh, different pairings go through this, but like, especially the pair of like moms and daughters go through all the time. Mm-hmm. That is an absolutely like a topic that so many young people go through and they could have like explored that. And they could have, like you said earlier, like if that was explored with some nuance, I think that would be like a worthy story to tell, certainly. But, you know, it's so clear that they like see a very, you know, this idea in their head that like Marley is thin and beautiful. So it's uh, so this is all silly, Mm -hmm. like or like, you know, it's okay because boys still like Marley and it's okay. But, you know, people still bully Marley's mom. So this is obviously bad. And she, you know, I don't know. I just there's so there's so much going on here. I don't know. Yeah. It's all bad, baby. It's all bad, baby. Anyway, Story, I want to thank you so much for this message. I love hearing your thoughts, for real. Up next, we have a message from Laura. Hi, Ian and Lena. I'm Laura Sheher from the USA, and I'd love to talk about Gleese. Sorry, Lena. I uh, love uh, so many people this week. So uh-huh. We're like, let's talk about Gleese, and they're like, sorry, Lena. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. As someone who has almost always and continues to struggle with disordered eating, this episode is when I stopped watching Glee. I wish I could say it was because I thought the quality was bad, but to be truthful, it's because I started to feel uncomfortable. I have always been on the heavier side, and seeing these episodes really triggered me. I, one, was depressed that people saw fat as the worst thing I could ever be, and two, was upset that Glee used fat characters and disordered eating as a prop rather than a real problem. I understand that Marley's thoughts of not wanting to be like her mom could be realistic, but the nuance was never explored, nor was it truly resolved. The lesson at the end is that eating disorders are bad, but they don't take the time to betray EDs respectfully. Glee doesn't care about body positivity, but the points they get for acting like they're body positive. Even with a character like Mercedes, who I loved, the first thing the writers of Glee want you to know is that she's bigger. I just wish Glee had actually taken time to portray bigger bodies in a respectful way. That's what makes you body positive, not showing us a character with an ED who is so scared of getting fat. When you have a character who is scared of getting fat, then you are putting the idea out there that it's not okay to be fat. Too long didn't read. Glee is trying so hard to be body positive that it's actually fat phobic. Anyways, just want to say to those struggling with disordered eating or body dysmorphia that you are perfect no matter what size you are and you do not need to lose slash gain weight to gain acceptance or love. Love you guys so much. I feel like you two are my best friends. Laura. Laura. I love you so much, um, and I'm glad you feel like we're your best friends because you're our best friend. Um, I I so appreciate this email, and I, um, it's so true. Like this episode is, uh, you know, obviously we know that like Kitty is a terrible person, and that's not that's not not explored on this episode, but it's also like Marley's mom 
is a huge perpetuator of it. And she has lines about herself that's like, well, it's my fault and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, what do these men think of people? Like, what do these men think of, you know, people who make up more than half the population? Like, I don't, it is so terrible. And I, um, I absolutely agree. They could have done an ED storyline and done it respectfully, but they, uh, you know, there's absolutely no nuance there. And especially with what you said about Mercedes, like I swear every single plot Mercedes has Mm -hmm. ever had ever has been something about tater tots or something about like food or like, you know, her fatness in some sort of way. And it is like, what do you think of people? Like, what are you saying? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Glee's turn into trying to be a show. Like, I understand that uh, the writers of this show were writing a show targeted at adult at adults and then were shocked when it was targeted at teens. I mean, when it was really popular with teens. And I understand that they probably felt a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility when that happened. And I think they did have a lot of responsibility to like be careful the messaging they were getting across to teens. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like... Um, them being like, oh, teens are watching, so we need to make sure we're educating these teens on every issue uh, was a huge mistake because (laughs) these issues are handled so disrespectfully. And it's not a surprise. They were writing a show. These are not writers who are equipped with the tools for that, you know? Yeah, they were writing a show that was actively like, satirizing the kind of TV shows that had episodes about issues like Mm -hmm. this. So no wonder when they try to actually tackle the issue, they do it in a horrible, disrespectful way because I don't know. I just think Glee should have either, you know, done some research or just if you don't feel like you can talk about a certain issue in the correct way, then don't Don't. talk about it. (laughs) Don't just leave it out. It's so easy to not. But again, I want to thank everyone who, you know, shared with us this week. Um, But thank you, Laura, especially. Thank you. Um, Up next, we have a message from Clementine. Hi, Lena. Best name ever. Holy crap. Eternal sunshine, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Lena and Ian. My name is Clementine Sheher. I have never emailed before, but I wanted to email this week to thank you both, Lena specifically. Uh, trigger warning for ED this paragraph. I was really young when I watched Glee, and the storyline this episode was my first real introduction to eating disorders, especially bulimia. I really appreciated both your takes on the storyline and how it is not good, accurate, or appropriate. It feels awful, and I get why it made Lena cry. It is so gut-wrenching to see a TV show you love and find comfort and solace in show something that so many of us struggle with in such an awful light. I especially appreciate you sharing your emotions with us, Lena. As a plus-size woman who struggles so much with confidence, I see you as such an inspiration and role model. Hearing you cry about this episode, especially, especially saying there are so many worse things you could be than fat, tore at my heart, and I'm so glad you said it. You're right. I don't know why the world sees being fat as the worst thing in the entire world, so much so that we instill it into the minds of children and especially young girls. Hearing about your successes and the fact that you are working in the theater industry as someone who looks like me is so inspiring, 
but possibly more inspiring to me is when you talk about being unabashedly yourself and going out and doing things. Hearing about a plus-size girl who goes out and goes on dates and parties and moved to New York for fuck's sake. It's all so motivating for me to hear as someone who is not so confident in themselves that they refuse to date. I love seeing and hearing you get more confident. I love you standing in your opinions. We all do. I know you've said that I know you've said the New York transition has been weird, and I'm so sure that it's lonely and scary, but you are doing it. That is fucking incredible. You've made it so far, and little old me is so proud of you. Thank you both so much for everything you do, and congrats to Ian on your friend's role. That sounds so fun, and if I was in New York, I would definitely come release a bootleg. <laughs> Forehead kisses if you'll have them, Clem. Release a bootleg. I This message is really special to me. And it's very special to me because so many people have reached out just like Clementine and like said that they relate to me in some sort of way and that we uh, like as <laughs> like plus size people are all different and not props and like people and like who all deal with our own things and date and like do all these things and go to parties and move to New York and like have jobs and like seeing a show like Glee that is all that is like so special to all of us who want like you know mm-hmm. who like fall into that category like absolutely punch us in the face like it um like you saying that immediately made me feel um a lot better <laughs> and I really appreciate it and I want you all to know you are every single person you're so much more than your body like, that's just the skin sack that takes you from room to room, that takes your heart from room to room. And that's, like, what matters. And, like, Ryan Murphy doesn't fucking see that, but Ryan Murphy is an asshole. And we know that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So thank you so much for this message. I really, I really appreciate you saying this. It, like, honestly, was one of those things where I was like, oh, what? What? <laughs> I guess you're right. I'm a human person. What? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Clementine. Also, shoot, I'd love to release a bootleg, frankly. I know. Literally, would I get in mega trouble? I would. But. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, we have a re- message from other Rachel. Hi, Ian and Lena. I had thoughts about the fat phobia depicted in this episode that I thought might be important to share. While I agree that Kitty is a terrible person and her behavior in this episode aligns with her character... What bothers me the most is that the world of the show agrees with Kitty. Glee hates fat people. And that's not even beginning to mention my thoughts on some of the larger contestants on the Glee project. Hashtag Hannah and Lily were robbed. The show has been taking shots about the actors' bodies, mishandling plotlines about EDs, and generally not taking fat people and their pain seriously for four seasons. And spoilers, it doesn't get better from here on out. Kitty's actions towards Marley are abhorrent, and the show depicts them that way, but at the end of the day, the show agrees with Kitty. To them, being fat is one of the worst things a person could be, or at least being fat means that you deserve to be ridiculed in the world of Glee. The show condemns Kitty's actions, but they ultimately agree with her intention, to punish Marley and keep her thin. Also, more, more spoilers, Kitty stays on the show longer than any of the other newbies, gets more screen time, and in my opinion, never faces adequate, adequate consequences for doing these awful things to Marley. I rewatched the show in 2020 and found the fat phobia so hard to stomach that I almost stopped watching multiple times. Honestly, it made some of my disordered eating worse while I was watching it. 
For a show that claims to care about underdogs, it's unfortunately not that disappointing that they utterly fail to offer any empathy to fat folks in their audience, and it's pretty shocking the level of harm that they have done to the young people in their audience. Sorry for the heavy, deep, and real, consensual hugs and forehead kisses. Rachel, your boss, they, them. Rachel, um, I'm looking forward to uh, a progress report Mm -hmm. uh, since you're our boss. Um, and all your bossly duties. So I'm thanks so much. I'm also glad that you rehired us. Because yeah. For <laughs> when you first told us it was uh, you're our boss, it was to fire us for yeah. <laughs> referring to ourselves as yeah, baby I too remember. much. Yeah, that was so funny. Gosh, what a fun time. Let, way more fun than now. <laughs> At least do the block of episodes. I would much rather deal with, you know. Will Schuster being called baby and calling himself baby than any of this. But um, I absolutely agree. And I think this just speaks to, and I've said this a lot, we've said this a lot, you've said this a lot, like Glee thinks that it is a show about underdogs when in fact it is not. It -hmm. is about uh, a bunch of like, you know, classically attractive, like, you know, people you know, having a love triangle and like being a part of the football team and being on the Cheerios and, you know, doing popular kid things, which none of those things are bad. None of those things are bad at all. But, you know, it's not what the, sh- the show says. It's something different than it is. You know, yeah. there's nothing. Also, there's nothing bad with, about being a cheerleader or being on the football team. Let me tell you what. Nothing bad about that. So, you know what I mean? But like this show doesn't thinks it's something that it's not, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Glee, man. I don't know. Glee, man. Also, Rachel, I... I so agree in the way that like, yes, obviously this plot line, we're not supposed to be like, well, what Kitty did wasn't that bad. Like clearly she's supposed to be doing a bad thing, but like we're, it's framed in a way that we're supposed to view that what Kitty did was awful because Marley isn't actually fat and Kitty Mm -hmm. made her think she was. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and, she's a gaslight gatekeep girl bossing. Her. Yeah. yeah, and like, no, I don't think that Glee is pro ED. Like, I don't think that, but no, I do sure. think that, you know, I agree with you that I think that Glee thinks that being fat is like one of the worst things that a person could be. Like, yeah. every time that they have a character on this show who is overweight, almost all of their plot lines are about that fact about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, um, like literally we didn't mention this in the episode, we recorded it yesterday, but for the episode dynamic duets, like the recap of Gleese includes a line that is like, but it's okay because Marley is so skinny and Mm -hmm. so pretty. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, so if, and this also bugs me just about eating disorder culture in general, but that like eating disorders are taken far. Maybe this is like me waxing on way too much, but like. Glee is saying, is telling this story of an eating disorder through the lens of like a, a thin, beautiful person mm-hmm. when, and then like, you know, in turn when, you know, Marley's mom is also on a very strict diet. It is like, oh, well, this is good for Marley's mom. And it's like, Marley's mom could be doing the exact same thing and what makes it yeah. like good on her and bad on Marley. You know what I mean? I do. And I also think you are correct because they are like, well... Marley's mom should diet, so yeah. we're moving on. Um, I will say 
Glee did have an ED plotline about Mercedes that was That's viewed true. as a negative thing and you was know, viewed as right. very unhealthy. That's true. I still think it's dumb that like it was the first plotline Mercedes ever really got and it was about mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. But they have in the past had an eating disorder for someone who wasn't like That's super, true. super thin and been like, this is still a bad thing. Yeah. Gosh, I remember thinking that that uh, that plot line was so I remember I was like crying about it and I was like, this is so crazy. Like they don't take this seriously. And like in comparison to this one, yeah. that one is a cakewalk, like yeah. in the way that like Mercedes sings beautiful at the end of the episode and how she connects with Quinn. Mm-hmm. Like I gosh, that that episode was way better than this one. Take us back to home. Come on. Seriously, take me home. Ugh. But Rachel. You're the best boss ever. If I uh, had the opportunity, I would give you a mug that says best boss ever. Um, So thank you for this message, for real. Up next, we have a message from Hannah. hey So I went to see Ian in Friends of Musical Parody, and I'm here to submit a review. Ian, you might remember me, two-toned hair and zebra print jacket, and also just weirdo nervous energy emanating from me. (laughs) Anyways, the show was great, and Ian, you are so, so talented and funny and dynamic. I work in theater and costumes and wardrobe, and your quick changes were so very impressive. Hats off to you and your dresser. I also ran into an old co-worker I did summer stock with who might be a wardrobe sing for, swing for the show, which was wild. Theater really is such a small world. Hopefully it wasn't so, so weird because I just had so much nervous energy going up to talk to you, even though we're both just two 20-something randos trying to make it in theater in New York. But I digress. My one-sentence review of Ian's performance is... Wow, this guy is violent, and also he is sexual, especially that Marcel bit. I wish you both many, many opportunities and shows to come, and I look forward to coming to see them in the future. I know you two have bright careers ahead. Uprooting your life to come to New York isn't easy, and I know Lena was getting caught up in seeing people romanticize their lives here on TikTok, but I'm sure it's difficult for those people behind the camera too. Just know that when I first came here, I was so lonely, I thought I was going to die. And there were so many times I just wanted to pack up and go home and hug my mom. But I knew I was supposed to be here, and I know you guys are supposed to be here too. Ian, it was lovely to meet you, and I really enjoyed having a quick little chat. All my love and many forehead kisses, Hannah, she, her. Hannah, of course I remember you. Are you kidding me? Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for this email. Also, just like I want to reiterate, I genuinely enjoy meeting all of you. Yeah. I think... (laughs) I think uh, I've met three people who have listened to the podcast I so far. I am so jealous. <laughs> I, met, I just go to your show every night. I met Hannah. I met Rachel, our boss. And mm-hmm. I also met a uh, friend of the podcast, Natalia, who sent us an email way back. And that's also something I love is when I meet a listener and they say, I'm the one who sent this in because then I'm able to be like, okay, yeah, I know who you are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, also, I as a person... I feel so nervous meeting a listener that (laughs) never once, I mean, it's only happened three times, but never once did I leave the conversation being like, that person was awkward. I'm always like, wow, I hope they weren't so let down by meeting me. (laughs) Oh, buddy. (laughs) No, I absolutely absolutely hear that. That's honestly a big fear I have of meeting people is that, I don't know, I think I, uh, you know, not that this podcast is not the true me, because I think it is, but I think in, like, public, I put on, like, you know, this, like, 
you know, shy girl mm-hmm. thing where I'm, I'm much shyer, I think, when people first meet me. So I'm, you know, I even, I just theorize about that. I've never had to do it. I can't imagine actually doing it. Well, it's fun. Also, shoot, I want to apologize again. I mean, you know, it was out of my control. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, there's I, like, it's not your fault at all. I was doing all the COVID precautions and, you know, COVID's a, a sneaky little vixen. Sometimes she bites you even when you're washing your hands and wearing masks. Yeah. But I know at least one listener of the podcast came to see friends last weekend. And truly, I am so sorry that yeah. I like could not be in the show. Shoot. So I, Love seeing all of you. I am so sorry for people that I did not get to see. But if you come see the show, genuinely let me know. I want to meet you. Yeah. Hannah, it was great to meet you. Um, Thank you for that review. Yeah, good I'm review. very honored. And I'm, Violent and also sexual. I know it's a callback to the podcast, but also it is pretty accurate to my track in that show. So. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see it. <laughs> well, get better soon so you can get back to doing your job so good. Oh, yeah. Hannah, thank you so much for this message. I'm glad you got to eat my eat my buddy. What? It, Meet that my friend. Not. That is so gross. So sorry. That did not happen. <laughs> yes i'm glad you got to be my friend (laughs) that did happen and that was fun (laughs) oh my gosh oh my goodness all right well (laughs) i leaned back and i was laughing and i took a big breath and i had to yawn it out oh my gosh that's well oh yeah go go ahead oh oh that's that's the emo portion of gleese everyone yeah Woof. Thank you, everyone, for sending in emails. We had, like, so many fantastic emails this week. Frankly, I was reading through them. I even told this to Lena. I was like, I do not envy Lena (laughs) having to narrow these down because we got so many fantastic emails this week. We love hearing from you guys. Thank you for sharing your opinions with us, sharing your thoughts with us, sharing experiences with us. Truly, it is such an honor to hear them. Absolutely. If you have thoughts about what's this next episode? We just talked Dynamic about it last duets. night. That one. Send them to us, recoveringleak.gmail.com. Now, uh, we're going to, you know, have a little feel good, lighthearted game yeah. to wrap this up after sitting <laughs> in some heavy subject material. Totally. We're going to play a relative pitch game. With all the gl- with all the Grease songs. Which, Woo-hoo. honestly... Uh, Grease songs rock, so yeah, here we go. that's the truth. I think you're first. I okay. could be wrong, but we're going to commit to that. What do you want me to sing? Okay, so options, Grease Lightning, Look at Me as Hamtron D, the original and the reprise, Beautiful Dropout, There Are Worst Things I Could Do, You're the One That I Want, You're Singing, There Are Worst Things I Could Do. Okay. Um, You'd be God. a great Rizzo, dang. I could stay home every night, wait around for Mr. Take old showers every day and throw my life away. Uh, I don't know the rest. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with this song. For a dream that can't come true. (laughs) I do know for a fact that your night was a B flat. So we're going to go off that. (laughs) We're going to go off that one note. Relative pitch, baby. That's a B flap. Um, I think I want you to sing 
Look at me, I'm Sandra D. Original or reprise? Original. Okay. As for you, Troy Donahue, I know what you want to do. You've got your crust. I'm no object of lust. I'm just plain Sandra D. Yo, what's up? Ian from the future here. Uh, in the unedited version of this episode, I said that I got that wrong. That's definitely correct. That is the right key. So um, we're going to chalk that up as a W for me and keep moving. Bye. Well, that's, that's a mini set about Gleese. Tune in to hear us talk about dynamic duets. You know, yeah. I was thinking about it all last night. I think I could have a, I, I feel like I have a unnecessarily bad attitude in that episode. I'm going to blame it on the fact that I have COVID and I haven't left my room in two days. Yeah. <laughs> so. Gosh, I remember the episode we recorded when I had COVID. It was so sad. <laughs> I had a terrible attitude. So I, I even say at the beginning of it that I'm like, I'm going to try and like have a positive attitude about this. And then I feel like the whole thing is maybe like, meh, meh, meh. No. so everyone just buckle Don't up. About it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being here. Spread some mini yeah. glee, everyone. You go spread some mini glee, seriously. And again, I want to thank everyone for sending us messages. Ian said it best. Like, it was like, it was, uh, you know, just, uh, we really honor that you guys uh, feel that you can share with us. And that is something that we, like, hold in our hearts really dearly. So thank you all. We love you. Here's a mini kiss on your mini forehead. Consensually, of course. Consensual mini kiss on your mini forehead. Bye. Thank you for listening to Recovering Gleek. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Recovering Gleek underscore podcast. If you liked our podcast, be sure to leave a review and tell your friends, please. <laughs> <laughs>